Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Uh, Liz and I got to know uh, a young lady in college who has a gift of destroying motor vehicles. I mean, it's uncanny. Like, uh, this true story, um, she ran into a pole, wedged the car between the pole and the side of the parking lot in an empty parking lot. No one around. No traffic to deal with. Just said, I wonder if I could destroy this car. Fact, after she wedged it between the side of the parking lot and a pole, it gets fixed. One day after it got out of the shop, we're riding with her to lunch and she rear ends someone at a red light. One day. She wasn't on her phone. We weren't even talking to her. We all just watched. I was sitting in the back seat as she just plowed into the back of the car. I was like dumbfounded. I was like... This is a gift. This might be a spiritual gift. This was so natural for you just to slam into the back of a parked car. I was completely speechless. Like, she has an ability to destroy cars. But here's what, you know that God sees what we need? You know that? And would you know that this chick gets given more cars of anybody that I know? And it's, it's, it's like God is saying, like, I know you're going to blow this up in about a month. So I'm going to tee you up with another car. I mean, she's been given so many cars. It's amazing. She ended up moving with us to Seattle, and none of us had cars when we lived in Seattle. We just did public transportation. And she was given a car. And so we were like, oh, this is so cool. I wasn't going to say her name. Sorry. I know you're watching this online probably. I love you. <laughs> she knows I think she's an awful driver. She knows this is not new. And so, like, maybe the worst driver in the world, but I'm just saying. And so, she's given this car. It's amazing. We're going to edit that. Um, she's given this car. And a friend of ours opened a restaurant outside of town, and she said, hey, guys, I'm going to drive. Let's go, let's go eat lunch at this restaurant and support our friend, and I'll drive us out there. I've got this car. I'm super excited. And we're like, okay, sounds great. So she had had the car at this point for a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, uh, two to three weeks. And we all load up, and it's a cool little car, and we're cruising out. We're about 30 minutes outside of Seattle, and we're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, we start smelling this, like, burning smell, right? And I was kind of like, does anybody else smell that, you know? And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. And it kind of gets a little stronger, a little, little, little bit more intense. And then I'm like, anybody else picking up on that smell? It just seems like it's fine. It's her ride. I'm like, okay, cool, you know, whatever. And, and then all of a sudden, just like out of the blue, it sounds like, Someone has taken a baseball bat and starts to slam the inside of the engine. Like it was like this knocking and cracking and hissing. And I was just like, whoa. I mean, I don't know anything about cars, but I I knew enough to know like that is not a good sound. (laughs) And so 
abruptly, you hear this like knock, snap, the car just locks up, and we just stop in the middle of the road. We're like, oh, no. So me and a buddy get out. We push it to the side of the road. Now, look, I've already told you guys. I've been sharing a lot of stories about cars. I don't know anything about cars, but I still try. Okay? And so I sat in the driver's seat, and I'm like, I know the car just died, but I'm going to try to start it. Because, you know, you don't know anything else to do. Maybe it will work for me. You've tried this. I know you have. Everyone's tried this. Oh, it didn't work for you? Let me try. You get in the seat and you turn the key. Oh, it doesn't work for me either, right? And then your friend goes, oh, let me try, right? I mean, that's what we do. People that don't know how to work on cars, we just try to start the car. And so I turn the car on, you know, and there's that moment where all of the warning lights come on and then they go off, right? So all the lights come on and then they go off except for one light. And it was the oil light. And I was like, hey, how long has this light been on? She goes, oh, for a couple of weeks. I was like, for a couple of weeks? I was like, you didn't put oil in it when the oil light came on? She was like, oh, is that what that's for? I'm like, nah, it's just for decoration. They just wanted your dashboard to look cool, so they put a red oil can with a drip of oil (laughs) blinking at you just so you would go, oh, isn't that cute? (laughs) So we get the car towed, okay? The mechanic calls back a couple days later, and he's like, it's not even worth trying to fix this car. Like every rod snapped. It was basically bone dry of oil, and the engine literally blew up. So it was going to need to be a full engine replacement in the car. All right? And so the streak continued. (laughs) Ruins cars. (laughs) Isn't it crazy how an engine can't work without oil? Like it's got all of this capacity, all of this potential, all of this power, but without oil... It explodes. Worship is the oil of our soul. And and when we don't have a vibrant lifestyle of worship, just like an engine without oil explodes, we will explode. We can't move forward in who we're called to be if worship is not flowing from us. People cannot thrive without worship. And everything in the holy place, in the tabernacle, points to the connection in that we walk free of the junk we left at the altar, we're washed and cleansed at the laver, and we're able to move forward as we live a lifestyle of worship. Everything in the holy place points to the power of personal Interaction and worship with the living God. It is in the place of worship where the flames of transformation stay lit in us. It's in keeping close to him where the fire in us 
stays hot. Worship has to stay flowing through us so transformation can stay lit in us. I want you to write that down. Worship has to stay flowing through us so transformation stays lit in us. And there's three things that you would run into in the holy place, in this inner court, that point to this simple truth that worship staying flowing through us allows transformation to stay lit in us. And in Exodus 25 verse 30, it says this, that you shall set a table of showbread before me always. So this was the first thing that you would encounter when you walked into the inner courts was a table that had bread on it, and it was called the table of showbread. Now, it wasn't just any old bread, and it wasn't just any amount of bread that was on this table. It was 12 loaves of bread made from each tribe of Israel. So every tribe, it wasn't like there was one baker for the people that would like pop out these 12 loaves of bread and give it to the priest and the priest would go put it on the table. No, each tribe had a designated person that would bake the loaf every week and bring it to the priest so that every tribe was represented in the inner place. Showbread could also be translated bread of faces. This was a picture that every person, every face of the people was represented in the holy place. Every person was represented in the holy place. Now, this is significant for us for two reasons. One is that no one could just walk into the holy place. Only priests could come into the inner courts. And so this represented that although only a priest can come into this place, we're all represented in this place. But Jesus became our high priest. And Jesus, at the Passover before he was betrayed, would take a piece of bread. And he would hold it up and he would say, this is my Body And to everybody that was in that room, they would be very familiar with the table of showbread. And they would be like, wow, wow, wow. He became one of us to fulfill the promise that was over us. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And when he did that, he was displaying, I'm going to take the punishment of your sin so that what has kept you from entering the holy place, from just being represented in that place, keeps you out of there no longer. That's why in Hebrews 4.16 it says, let us approach the throne room of grace with confidence. Because there's nothing that separates us anymore because Jesus became the final sacrifice and therefore righted all of humanity's wrongs. And there are no barriers. We're not just represented. We can be in the holy place. Once a week, the bread would be eaten by the priest. And they would have to eat these 12 loaves of bread. It's a lot of carbs. These 12 loaves of bread. How many of you know that God is not gluten-free? <laughs> Woo-hoo, a low blow. 
12 loaves of bread. It was unleavened bread, so maybe he is. So they would have to eat it in the inner place. They couldn't take the bread out and eat it in the outer courts. They would have to eat it in the holy place. And the reason is, is because when the people left exile, or excuse me, when the people left Egypt and were wandering in the wilderness, they thought they were going to die of starvation, and so God provided what? Bread from heaven. So the table of showbread does not just demonstrate that the people are represented in the presence. The table of showbread is a reminder that it is for survival that the people stay in his presence. That that you can't survive without staying in the holy place. And so as the priest once a week would sit in the holy place and consume this bread, it was a reminder to them and everyone who would know that they were doing it that it is in his presence where we experience what we need to survive where we are. We have to draw near to him, right, because it's in his presence. It's in worship flowing through us where the transformation flame stays lit in us. And then if you would turn, if you were at the table of showbread and you turned around, you would see this lampstand. And the lampstand was the only source of light that was in the holy place. The only light source came from this one lamp. This obviously points to Jesus who himself would say that I am the light of the world. The lampstand was to be made of pure gold. Pure gold. You know how gold is purified? It's melted. And then as as it's melting, all the impurity in the metal rises to the surface. And the person who is working with the metal would take a screen and skim off all of the impurities from the top of the melted gold, and they would let it cool, and then they would melt it again. And as they melted it again, more impurities would come to the surface, and this pattern would continue until they would melt it, and nothing would come to the surface. That's when it would be pure gold. Jesus was without sin. He was pure. The light of the world, our light direction in the midst of darkness, was perfect. There was no impurities in him. Although he was fully man, at the same time he was fully God, and somehow the sin that so easily entangles us was not a trap for him. And so he was able to stand perfect in the presence of the Father and be the light of the world. Jesus would say of himself in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life 
and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one source of light in the inner place. And, you know, the, the, the lampstand would have these six branches, and, and, and they were not lit, <clears throat> excuse me, with candles. They were oil lamps. And the oil was to be made with olives. And, and how many of you know how oil is made? It's a pressing. It's a crushing. So as the olives were being crushed by the people preparing the oil for the lampstand, it was a reminder that it's in the pressing where we experience his presence. David would write, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That, that in those pressing moments... That's where we experience the power of his presence in an unprecedented way. It's almost as if God uses the pressing to fuel our passion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, what's interesting is that the lamp had to be tended to. So in the morning and in the evening, the priests would have to go into the holy place and they would have to refill the oil and trim the wicks. This is important. Because it's not like the lamps just burned on their own. We have to tend to our passion. We, we, we have to tend to the flame. We, we have to... To not on a weekly basis. If this is your only worship encounter, you're not getting enough oil. If, if your only picture of connecting with God, adoring him, thanking him for who he is, is, is the, the 25 minutes that we get to do that corporately together, I mean, yo, that's powerful and it's needed. And God shows up in an important, significant way to draw us together to him. But if that's our only worship that's going up, I'm, I'm just going to submit to you. I, I don't think that your lamp is ready there's not enough oil in it. It was never the intent that the flame of transformation would be lit weekly, but it would be tended to daily. That worship has to flow from us on a continual basis so that the passion can remain in us. We're living sacrifices our entire life. It's not just about singing songs. It's our whole life revolves around, you know, the priest would have to set their entire schedule around tending to the lamp. Because it was important that the flame never went out in the holy place. And we, we, we might need to rearrange some things in our lives so that, that our single pursuit is a passion for Jesus. We have to tend to it. We have to look at it. We have to daily seek it. And if you feel like you're about to blow up or break down, check the tent. How's your lamp? There's a need for us 
to understand that worship has to flow through us so that transformation can stay lit in us. Which, which leads me to the altar of incense, which is the last piece of furniture that was in the holy place. And it was not big. It was like this 18-inch square, maybe 36 inches high. And there was this like certain mixture of incense that the priest would make. And then they would set it on fire and it would burn and it, smoke would billow out. And it was this sweet aroma that would fill not just the holy place, but it would overflow into the tabernacle and into where the people were living, right? I mean, this was a tent. You can't contain. The wind would take the incense where it needs to go. And so there was this burning incense. And and just like the priest would have to tend to the lamp, they would need to tend to the incense. Because just like the lamp needed to be tended to in the morning and the evening to make sure that the fire never went out, the incense needed to be tended to in the morning and the evening to make sure that the incense would never stop burning. Incense is a picture of prayer going from the people to the heart of God. The incense rising up was a picture of our life thriving in God is a life where there's no disconnect. We're constantly in conversation with the Creator. It's just going up. It's just going up. Psalms 141 verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. Revelation 8, I know the book of Revelation can be a little creepy at times, but Revelation 8, we get a window into what that looks like in heaven. This incense, our prayers going up to the throne room of God. And it says this in verse 2, I saw seven angels stand before God and seven trumpets. Shout out to the trumpet players. Notice it didn't say seven clarinets. Or flutes, (laughs) trumpets. Verse 3, another angel who had a golden censer. Now, you might not know what that is because I didn't know what that was. And it, it was actually a, it was something that was created to hold incense. So it was an incense carrier. Came and stood at the altar and it says he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. God hears your prayers. Hold on. Y'all didn't hear that. The living God knows what your voice sounds like. Think about that. The creator of heaven and earth hears you and goes, oh, that's Chris. Actually smells you. Incense. Smells your breath. Take an Altoid. Bless the Father. (laughs) Right, like, 
God, do you think about this? Sometimes I think we forget that God hears what we pray. You know how I forget? Because we don't pray. We don't, we don't tend to the incense. We just like every once in a while we'll come in and like light some incense. No, no, it's supposed to be continual. Our prayer, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. Look, I want you to understand that I, I know what it feels like for the fire in you to start to go out. I, I know what that feels like. I've, I've, gone th- I've gone through the motions. A couple years ago, I was super frustrated at my job. Felt like I was invisible. It was just hard. This is a hard season. And then, then Liz started dealing with tons of anxiety. And it was just, a, it just felt hard. And our kids were kids, just, you know, capital H, hard. Then my dad got laid off. Then my brother got laid off. It was just hard. It, it, I felt the pressing, right? And nothing like a pressing that will reveal the state of the flame that's in you. And and as I was getting pressed, I was thinking I was about to get crushed. And, and, And honestly, I just started going to church. I I wasn't in church anymore. I was just going to church. You, You know what I'm talking about? I'd show up at life group. I wasn't really at life group, but I was there, but I wasn't there. My heart was growing cold. I wasn't tending to the passion that was in me. Worship is not flowing from me. And so the the flame of transformation was waning inside of me. And all of a sudden, I'm in a worship service. I'm in church. By the way, I worked at a church at this point. And I could feel the worship around me bouncing off of me. Have you ever been that hard-hearted? Well, you're like, I'm not, I mean, look, it seems like they're having a great time. And you're like, am I even, what am I even doing here? My, my heart, the, I, I, would, I would venture the, the, the flame was barely lit. I wasn't tending to the lamp. I, I wasn't tending to the incense at all. And the repercussions of that, worship stopped flowing from me, so the transformation flame in me started to die, 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 die. And look, I remember I left the church service, and I had to drive to Houston for some meeting. And I'm in my car, and I'm, I'm heading to Houston, and, and I, I just cry out. I'm like, God, I don't know what has happened to me. But I feel like I'm, I'm hard-hearted. And I was like, God, I'm sorry. I, 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 haven't, I haven't made the right decision. I haven't tended to my passion. I haven't tended to my heart the way that I need to. I haven't sought you. I haven't, I haven't lived to have this steady communion with you, God. I've just been having these moments with you. It's not a continual thing with you, and I'm paying for it because now I don't feel like there's a fire that's burning in me right now. I remember I'm driving, and then all of a sudden, I just start weeping. You know, like weeping where you probably shouldn't be driving? Like I contemplated multiple times, like, should I pull over? Because I can't see anything, right? Like I'm just like tears. Just when I'm so glad to be a bro, I don't have to deal with all the makeup stuff, right? Just like, because it was just so 
much stuff coming out of my eyeballs. And like, it was ugly crying. And, and I am just sitting in my car feeling liquid grace pour over me. And Romans 8 just becomes real. It's like I could hear it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It was what Jesus did for me that lit the flame in me again. It was what Jesus did for me that lit the flame in me again. Listen, do you want to know how the incense, the altar of incense stayed burning? They would take coals from the altar and they would carry them and light the incense with them. It was the place where sin was atoned for that fueled the intimate connection with the Father that God longs for. Did you just hear that? If your heart is waning, if you feel like you're, you're hard-hearted, if that flame has kind of gone out a little bit, remember what God has done for you. Like, remember it. Remember his grace. Remember what he rescued you from. Remember how kind he's been to you, how gentle he's been to you, that he doesn't treat you as your sins deserve, but he loves you and he's removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And it's in that revelation of what he's done for you. It fuels the passion that is in us. And it's time for us to realize that it's not about us kind of walking through life and hoping that we don't offend anybody. It's time for us to start walking through life burning in front of everybody. It should be just like so, oh, like you're just like, I love Jesus so much. Like you show up for work and you're like, woo, who are you going to get today? Right, just like stirred up, just like, God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today, God? Oh, I'm telling you something, boy. It's on. It shouldn't be just like this, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. I wonder if I'm going to go to church today. No, it's like, dude, it, it starts at 11. I'm getting there at 10. Not because I have to, but because I get to. Because it's, it's supposed to be, we're supposed to have this passion for him. Look, do you want to know how we're going to see Austin change? Burning. Being all consumed, man. Like being all, not trying to be cool. Not trying to be like relevant. No, it's burning. It's being passionate for Jesus, man. It's like, it's like God, you got to get in me. You got to, you got to burn inside of me and we got to wake up every morning just like God you got to just I want to understand who you are and I'm telling you if you burn you will stay free 
If you burn, you will stay free. It goes hand in hand. Is worship flowing through us that keeps the, the flame of transformation lit in us. And this is how we're going to end. It's going to be really simple. We're just going to start to adore Jesus because, look, I believe that as we draw into him, some of you are hard-hearted right now. Some of you feel cold in your spirit, and God's going to reignite you. He's going to reignite you. Some of you are watching this on the Internet, and God's going to ignite you. There's going to be ignition that happens in you as the oil of heaven begins to flow over you. So look, can you stand to your feet? Let's just begin to worship him. Jesus.